How often have I done this, Sean, where I picked a song that I love so much that I don't want it to just be the opening music that yeah. I want to hear the whole song? We have to hear just a few of the words. Okay. Here it comes right here. Oh, my God. So I have to tell you, uh, it's the Brian Oak Show, by the way. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Oh. Got, we got to start because we have a, a very special guest joining us today. He's been on the show before, but I'm very excited to talk to him because, well, frankly, I just like to kind of sit here and listen to him talk because he's better, <laughs> at, he's better at talking than almost anyone I've ever met. It is the Brian But Oak if show. he'd only listen. Well, I, I don't care. He doesn't have to listen. There's enough going on in there. I could sit down there cross-legged like kindergarten class and... Look up at Mr. Mishki and learn all about the very hungry caterpillar. In fact, I would like <laughs> I would like very much if today's guest would do a series of audiobook interpretations oh in his gosh. own wry iconoclastic <laughs> style uh, of very popular children's literature. I think that's an idea. Poppleton Pig, perhaps? Oh, love that one. Mm, me too. Classic. Yeah, okay, anyway, uh, we're recording here our episode 247 of The Brian Oak Show in the Smart Start MN Studios. I played Devo for a reason. That is because after we are done recording here, I am going to go home, finish packing, and get on an airplane for the first time in almost three years. That's crazy. That's it, weird to think. And not like I was some avid traveler all the time before, but I don't know I don't know in my adult life that I've ever gone three years without being on a plane. This is going to be a great trip. You're going to see close friends. Very, You're very dear friends. You're going to spend time with your daughter. She's the one who bought the tickets. It's your birthday tomorrow. Happy it, birthday. Thank you very much. It is my birthday tomorrow. And you're going to see just a little bit of music that a, you like, a little that you bit. enjoy. So, almost two years ago, my daughter bought tickets for this festival. Wow. And it got delayed. I mean, she bought them for my birthday, I, th- I think actually two years ago, and said, hey, so-and-so in the fall, we are going to go see this incredible festival called the Cruel World Festival out in Pasadena, California, right by the Rose Bowl there, and it's going to be great. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, of course, COVID and everything got kicked up more and more. It got delayed not once but twice. Now it's finally happening this coming weekend, the day after my birthday. A list from the top here. Now, Morrissey, I don't really care. I was never a big Smiths guy, and I'm certainly not a Morrissey guy, certainly not in the modern era, but Bauhaus, Blondie, Devo, The Psychedelic Furs, Echo and the Bunnymen, Violent Femmes, The Church, English Beat, Public Image Limited, The Dam, Jean Loves Jezebel, Berlin, Missing Persons, and then a bunch of sort of fill-in bands, some of them very obscure and very California, like 45 Grave or Christian Death, and others a little more modern bands, but they fit very much in this 80s vibe. It's basically 1983 on stage for an entire day. I'm a little surprised you didn't like buy the wig to have that wedge haircut you had before, <laughs> just to you get know, it ready. I'm going to want to because of the <laughs> nature of my balding. The forecast for the uh, Pasadena Rose Bowl area on Saturday and just a couple days from now, sunny and 96 degrees. Whew, it won't be as humid as here. Don't give me any of that dry heat bullshit. All That's right. still way, 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 way too hot. But like for all the reasons you said, friends, travel, my daughter, and an amazing day of music, I'm very, very excited about it. I do want to thank Smart Start MN, by the way, for being on board with us all this time. They're Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They worked with the state to design it, to perfect it. So why would you go with carpetbaggers or imitators? Talk to the people who actually put this thing in place in the first place and have more experience.
experience with it than anybody else in Minnesota. Yeah, and they'll save you some money by going to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock doohickey. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, you can, you can find out more there at smartstartmn.com. Our guest today I really want to get to here because he is, well, I mean, the last time he was on the show, I felt like all I did was be like, you're cool, you're pretty, you're my favorite, which he is cool and pretty and my favorite. I don't know that there's anybody else that's ever been quite like him, and I love Tommy Mischke. T.D. Mischke, maybe you know him as. Uh, we're going to talk to him, catch up on what he's been up to because he's been up, uh, up up to a lot, and he's his. His music fandom takes this very interesting, I, it's not even a vector, I don't know, but he finds a way of liking things that I don't know one other person on the planet likes, <laughs> but they're good. I'm just like, what, what does he do all day? Where does he find this stuff? We'll talk to him and ask him those questions and many other pertinent questions, but first, one more band that I'm extremely excited to see. Devo's number one on my list. This band is number two of all those bands I listed off. So, of course, they're playing because there are three stages at literally the same time. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Oh, well, maybe I'll just get my fill right here. Here's Berlin on The Brian Oak Show.
I've probably said this before, and it'll probably set me back, maybe even get me canceled, but Terry Nunn, lead singer of Berlin, when I was a young man, first coming of age, and learning uh, about my ever-changing body, <laughs> I had what I, what I referred to as the triumvirate of New Wave Foxes. One was Debbie Harry of Blondie, who I'll also be seeing out at the uh, Cruel World Festival. The other was Pat Benatar and Terry Nunn, the lead singer of the band we just heard right there, Berlin. Oof, like, you know, when you're young, you set these ideals, right? Like Egyptian goddesses or something. And and, uh, speaking of a term that was just dropped before we came back, emblazoned in my mind would be the triumvirate of New Wave Foxes. Today's guest is Tommy Mischke. T.D. Mischke, as many people know him, he is an extremely popular podcaster, but he has been a writer, a musician, a podcaster, radio talk show, I don't even know what the right word is, impresario? Was that the, would that be the right word, Tommy? That's heavy. That's a little heavy. Is it? <laughs> well, let me, okay, but here's the deal. Would you say that what you do is done with a certain level of flair, even if it's T.D. Mischke flair? I think impresario's fair. Well, I'm going to let you go with it. Okay, good. I, you well, ever catch me saying that, I'd have to leave the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk exactly that way. about ourselves, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Of all these things, of all the accolades that have been put on you over the years and your many decades of broadcasting and expressing yourself in the ways that you do, if someone were to, you know, like you were overhearing a conversation, someone's like, who is Tommy Mischke? What's the what's the most what's the trait or the profession or the the aspect that you like the best about how you see yourself that you would feel flattered if someone described you as a writer, excellent dancer, mediocre cook? I mean, what, how do you like to think of yourself? Killer six pack. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Bounce <laughs> a quarter off that sucker. <laughs> I I don't know. I uh, my uh, thinking of myself is like most people. You uh, wake up about 3 a.m. and think about your failures. <laughs> Dang, I thought we were I thought we were more different than that. Apparently, we nope. have a lot more in common than I thought. You Last time you were on, we talked a lot about you growing up and your path into radio and ultimately making your way to the Roadshow podcast. But your, your history with CCO is really sort of where you go from enthusiast or amateur You know what I mean, but I mean, like, this is where you suddenly become a presence in the Twin Cities radio market, right? At CCO? Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people who'd argue with you. I was 17 17 years at KSTP. That's that's what I mean. Like, I mean, you obviously, that's where your legend lies. Oh, yeah. But in terms of first coming onto the scene, in terms of first, well, basically proving that you have the credentials to be that guy on KSTP, CCO is where it kind of began, right? I went to CCO after KSTP. Really? Yep. Wow. Is it opposite day today? It is opposite day. Interesting. Okay. And so there wasn't an early part where you were calling in and you were messing with people and at doing KSTP. stuff At KSTP. Oh, it was yep. KSTP. Yeah. So Vogel's a KSTP yes, guy. right. See, I missed this era of radio by oh, that CCO much. Oh, CCO would never have allowed a guy like Don Vogel on. Right on, <laughs> right on. Right <laughs> that was away. the Steve Cannon era and oh. Ruth Koslak era. Yep. And oh. Don was a renegade. You yeah. Know? All right, well, and you've got a little renegade to you as well. Um, doing what you did there, I mean, I still remember the the nights of, you know, um, driving home from doing afternoons, and sometimes I'd have to go do something or do an event, and listening to you at night, and I guess the greatest compliment I can give you is in addition to your obvious creativity and the forethought that you put into it, it was never once the same show twice. Yeah, that I, I really believed in that. I always was fascinated by 
people who had to fit into a format. Right. And I've brought this up before to people, a Letterman or a Leno or any of the guys that are on now. What if they didn't feel like doing that kind of a show one morning? Right. They had to do that kind of a mm-hmm. show. Now, if they had to do something they didn't feel like doing, chances are it was inauthentic. Wouldn't it have been great to get their authentic selves every night? Much the same way I, I think of music that way. I always worry about guys on tour night after night after night after night. What percentage of the audience gets them really believing it and loving it and feeling it versus I got to make some money? I think you could say that about comedy or really sort of any sort of entertaining, right? Well, you couldn't say it about me because when I didn't feel like it, I didn't have anything prepared. Right. I came on the air and I said, I have nothing. And I sat there in silence. I just waited for someone to call or something. I let dead air play because I couldn't fake it. Right. To this day, the most uncomfortable I've ever felt listening to the radio is just how comfortable you are with dead air. For people who don't have any experience in radio, you may not understand that when people are like, oh, it's the cardinal sin... It's beyond the cardinal sin. You can't just have nothing happening. Run a commercial. Throw a, a, anything in there. Get a cart in there. Start blathering. Rip something off the AP. Anything. Dead air is not allowed. And I'd be driving home listening to you, and all of a sudden a sentence would stop, and it was nothing. And, of course, first you're thinking, oh, somebody forgot to hit the wrong button. Did the... And then it was clear, like, I'd hear you drum on the, on the console, or I'd yeah. hear you breathe. And I'm like, holy... And, your ability to draw out that tension, I mean, again, I, having a unique perspective, it made me nervous all the time. Made It made some of the affiliates nervous when we, when we did a Minnesota uh, syndication deal, and these northern Minnesota towns didn't know about the dead air thing. Uh-huh. And they were panicking. Alarms, were, alarms, you know, alarms go, go off, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, they, if there's no signal on, right. somebody's going to find out. And, and alarms would go off, and... There was something about people leaning in even closer when you had the dead air to the next thing that was going to happen that was so fun about creating the next thing. It's it's the on-air equivalent of a drum roll. Sort of like something's going to happen out of this abyss. Right. Let's, let's turn it up. And <laughs> that was the other thing. Many people tuning in in their car right at that moment thought the volume was down so they turned it way oh, up my and then the next thing that happened took them off the road <laughs> i know i killed one elderly gal i'm sorry you killed someone well she was doing the turning it up thing and it hit oh. so loud and she went into a median and she was killed is wow i mean does that something you carry around with you no it's just a joke <laughs> nice well done Mishki. well done before <laughs> Before we get to your first song, Tommy, first of all, does the D stand for Deuteronomy? Is that what the D stands for? Uh, The dude abides. No, it's a David. My middle name as well. Is it? It is, in fact. Why don't you go with BD? BD Oak. Oh, I like that. Do you? There's a a song there. BD Oak. Oh, man, I'd be writing that tomorrow. You could go ahead and write it tomorrow. I'll be happy to hear it when I get back from California. (laughs) Just natural percussion right in your name. Uh, Mm. What about just Brian Oak? Brian Brian messes with it. Brian, it gets all fuzzy. Beady. Beady. Sharp. Right. Yeah. See, I don't have... 
the, the level of insight you bring to these things is startling to me. We're going to get to a song in just a moment here, but before we do, I would be uh, very happy if you'd tell me about your most recent odyssey with WCCO. Well, when I was on last, which was when? September? When was I on with you guys? When mm-hmm. I was on last, yeah, it was in the so. midst of it, and I believe I told you guys I was going to be leaving my podcast. Yes. And he, you'll notice I didn't. Well, yes. I did notice that, but I mean, but you were so definite and definitive about the yeah. fact that you were leaving your podcast yeah. that, I mean, I, I was startled, I have to admit. Well, one gets sure when one is given an offer and told we want to hire you and the time slot's set and the money's set. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say all that when I was on with you because other, I know people, how the game works. other people were going to lose their jobs. Right. But, uh, yeah, they had come to me. I think I was on in the fall. They had come to me in May asking if I would put my podcast on their station. And I had said no to that because it gets really difficult to fit a podcast onto a radio show. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's a million reasons that people who don't do podcasts may not understand, but it's very, very hard. Uh, Secondly, when I turned that down, they said, what about coming back on the air? And I said, well, I'm all done with nights. My number one reason for quitting radio was I realized I got old and I'm not a night guy anymore. Some people can stay night people, but the average human being, as he or she ages, the clock changes. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm raring to go at 5 a.m. every day, quite happy to be up. Rarely sleep past 5.30. But that means you sleep 9.30, 10, 10.30. I do anyway. Mm-hmm. And I had my show 10 to midnight, and I said, I'm done. I'm done. And at CCO, I was not going to move two days. That wasn't a possibility. So it was over, and I quit, and I left, and it was great. I went into podcasting. But they came to me with days. This was a year ago this month. And uh, I said, days? They said, yeah. I said, when? They said, pick a time slot. They said, pick a time slot. Hmm. Really? I said, well, I'll tell you something. In all honesty, because I didn't expect them to go that far, I said, I'm a two-hour guy. I I really am. I I tried three hours once in my life and did a bad hour every night. And I said, I really can do two good hours every day, and that's it. They said, we'll shift. And I said, you realize what that involves. It messes with every other show. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, fine, we'll do it. Wow. Uh, and I'll say, well, I would like one to three in the afternoon. I said, I would like to get home before rush hour, and I would like the hours between when I wake up and one to prepare a show. It's ideal. You got it. So I mean, that's the dream right it was there. Getting, yeah. It was getting all too easy. I should have been scared when it was that easy. Uh-huh. The money was really good, which went against Mr. Bernard's here. <laughs> Mr. Bernard's <laughs> argument last fall that yeah. ah, the money's not there in radio anymore, Mishki, which got me scared back then. Yeah. But uh, so everything was great. Everything was great. And I had lost half my income to COVID. So I was really looking forward to being able to pay some bills again. Mm-hmm. The contract went out to Philadelphia, where Odyssey is located. Oh, Whatever wow. Odyssey is, I don't even know what Odyssey is. Is that the operating company? It's a parent. Yeah. Yeah, parent or like, the yeah. hell! I mean, the last time I signed with those guys, it was CBS. Yeah. But uh, Odyssey uh, not only rejected me, but two other hires that no one knew about that were supposed to be at the same time. Mm. They were going to add a new guy because when you're a two-hour guy, then what they were going to do is is have to add another person in that 6A to 6P. So it was going to be me. Tell me if I got this name right. Uh, this would be a woman over at uh, CARE. 
uh, Jana Shortall. Oh yeah, Jana. Jana Shortall. Yes. So she was being courted for the morning, mm-hmm. and a God, she'd have been great at it. Yes, and, uh, and she was all for it. And mm-hmm. an ESPN. I can say all this now because it's over. Right. Yeah. And an ESPN guy, uh, on-air guy from Minnesota, born and raised here, African American guy. And the reason I bring that up is, picture this. CCO in one swoop was going to have a morning show hosted by a person who identifies with the pronoun they. Correct. A black guy, I don't think we've ever in Minnesota had a 6A to 6P daily African-American talk show host. That's probably true. Which is pathetic. Right. But but the idea that CCO would be the first. So you put those two together. I was the least risky hire. Right. And I would normally have been the are you nuts hire. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Actually, there there's a little bit of um, notoriety and liability that comes along with the Mishki name. So it was it was going to be big headlines. I mean, the headlines would have been CCO blows it up and goes in a whole new direction. That's Which the they shift. Need to That's do, the by shift the way. they need to well, make. Well, exactly. And to their credit, they, everybody uh, in Minneapolis wanted to do it. Everybody. Yes. What killed this thing was a very, as is always the case, it's a very conservative corporate world out yes, there. Yes, it is. And they own 300 stations, and the the liberal lean across the board with all three hires terrified them. Yeah, well, and, and that's the nature of it, right? But, I mean, I was briefly considered for the morning show bit over there. I did a couple of interviews with the powers that be over there. Um, but it became evident early on with the kind of people they were courting to do that show, there were people far, far more capable and well-suited for that. But I liked the idea that the old CCO, much though it might be hard for the old schoolers to let go of, mm-hmm. that era is over. And if that station wants to survive and wants to thrive and wants to be an active part of the rest of the 21st century, that it has to make some pretty radical changes. And, and again, but then the corporate people who are sitting on the other side of the country, they have no idea. No clue. They don't care at all. The people who acquired CBS whenever they acquired it have probably only known CCO as sort of a middling AM station in the upper Midwest and not the juggernaut with the legacy that it once had, you know? I watched the same kind of corporate attitude very, very, very much undermined the hard work that dozens, if not hundreds of people have done to make Cities 97 such a distinctive destination. And, you know, I watched that slowly just get peeled away. By the way, your Cities 97 tenure, Mm. latest one, uh, according to a person I do some work with over there, uh, has coincided with skyrocketing ratings. Are you taking sole credit for that? I would not take sole credit for that. <laughs> However, uh, in some very key demographics the last quarter, we did, uh, the, the numbers were up in two different important demos, more than 170%. And, yeah. And they're going to get even better soon. I'm getting a new co-host in four days. A new old co-host? Well, I, we're not allowed to talk about it All just right. yet. But, but yes, that is. Does the not, name no, rhyme? Not, no, 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 not an old co-host. It? No, oh, not, okay. It's not someone I've ever done a show with oh, before. Oh, I thought it was. But okay. it is, no, it is a voice that's been on the radio before. So sadly, oh, no. Okay. Um, but I can't say anything for a while. But it's been going very, very yeah. well numbers-wise. So let's hope that adding a full-blown morning show doesn't fuck it up. Well, I I voiced some on, on-air ads over there and was talking to a sales rep and just giddy with delight at what had happened since you came back. Well, that's very kind. And um, now if we could just somehow monetize 
that because I feel like I feel like I've done my part of the deal, yes. like where I got the ratings up. Or at least I worked to help bring the ratings up. Now we need a sales force that can really t- yeah. a dog with a note in its mouth should be able to sell those numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you you got one. That's my favorite. You, you have one it's super. A good one. You have one superstar there. I've dealt with a lot of salespeople and uh, Jen Pelletier. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Superstar. Good friend of mine. Uh, so you just need more of them. Well, we'll get a hold of her. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and hear a song, and then we're going to come back and talk about a few other things, including you not quitting your podcast and finally, after low these many years, getting back out on the road for the road show. But first, we are going to hear a song by a guy whose name I am not familiar with and a song that leaves me with more questions than answers. Inject pure kryptonite into my brain It improves my kung fu and it eases the pain During acceleration when the pedal hits the floor This thing burns nitroglycerin and powdered C4 And I will always love you I drive a modified T-Series Lola It's kinda heavy but I like the feel When I say Vietnam it sounds just like Coca-Cola I believe most anything as long as it's not real And I will always love you I battle aliens from outer space They got one eye right in the middle of their face I grab my laser gun, I know my place Somebody has to save the human race And I will always love you It seems hopeless, but wouldn't you know They got a weakness and they let it show They can't jump in there a little bit slow When I say World War II, I mean the video And I help I mean, and I, I hope you take this the right way. I hope you take this the right way. But that song 
is so mishki that it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost hard for me to articulate just yeah. how mishki that is. Dan Reeder is the name of the folk artist. Is that what we're going yeah, he with would there? Be folk. He's been called by the New Yorker the foremost outsider in modern folk music. Well, he's clearly got a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I did. So while we were listening to it, I'm like, who is this oddball? Not you, but Mr. Reader. And I looked up, and <laughs> he was signed to John Prine's Oh Boy Records. That oh. makes sense, because he sounds sardonic, he sounds real, and I'll bet he also can do a turn of a song that also breaks your heart like John Prine. Yes, and he just was goofing around in his basement and made a tape and sent it to Oh Boy Records and got signed uh, by John Prine's label. And he still, to this day, just goofs around in his basement. Right. None of these things are brought to any formal recording studio. In fact, he's known as the guy who Rolling Stone magazine wrote an article about before he had ever had any record company show interest in him, and nobody in the history of Rolling Stone had ever had that happen before. No one they wrote an article about before, and I'm talking obviously about a musician, had ever had that article written before a record company had signed. So like an unsigned artist, first time ever. Just a nobody, literally, who hadn't even walked into a recording studio, and he up and moves to Germany after becoming recognized and known. He lives in Nuremberg now. So, He's well, he an just, odd one. He mostly paints. Okay, music is not his main thing. Is he of uh, of money, or does does he? I mean, is this how he supports himself with his art? Hey, yes, he does. Wow, yeah, right yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, look up, uh, and I'm obviously talking to the listeners as well. Look up Dan Reeder and some of his other songs. It's an extraordinary array of subject matter, and uh, the style is very similar to this, mm-hmm. much as if you were going through John Prine stuff, while the subject matter would vary, you knew it was Prine instantly. Right. It would be the same with this guy, but it's fun to go through his stuff. It's worth uh, looking into. And so, but he, despite getting recognized, and now this is what he does, and he moved to Nuremberg, he refuses to not do it if it doesn't feel like what he wants to do. Right. Not unlike one Thomas Deuteronomy Mischke, who joins us right now on the Brian Oak Show. You're a good Catholic kid, aren't you? Oh, but Catholics don't read the Bible. Oh, that's yeah. true. Sorry. We uh, have the priest read it and tell us what's what. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. I just also, I've always loved the name Deuteronomy. When I was young, I tried to get like, my parents name our first dog Deuteronomy, and they were not down, despite the fact that we were all confirmed Catholics. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought this was God's America. <laughs> Before we go any further with Mr. Mm. Mischke, I do want to make sure that we talk to our friend Sean Bernard here. Uh, Sean is entering. So I feel like calling it the busy summer season it's kind of dumb because it, it, it realty has been ridiculous for some time now. It's been so busy. Uh, I know the rates are going up right now, so everybody's kind of panicked about that. But Does that slow people down or does it throw them into an uh, even faster froth? Is it like chumming the waters? I think if you were planning on moving a year ago, you're still planning on moving. Right. It's just that you got to jump on it and everything kind of balances itself out. I just look back that my first home that I bought in 1998, my interest rate I think was 6.8 something. Mm-hmm. So not too far off that is where we're at right now. So yeah. 
You just might have to buy a little less house, too. That's a, that's a possibility. And that, or just make yourself house poor and put everything you've got into this one roll of the dice. I just told a young couple not to do that. Well, I and said, I, of course, please, clearly, please don't do that. Clearly, please don't I was go being sarcastic. No, I mean, we yeah. when we were looking at houses, we thought, you know, I mean, like, what if we overbid significantly because we love this house so much? But, you know, I mean, when you're young and you're starting out, or even if, no matter who you are, an extra 40 grand is a lot of money. Yeah, I just said a good close friends of mine they're younger couple uh they just have a a one-year-old baby girl and and i said uh you know my first house i actually had to do a lot of work myself Oof. you know i actually uh tore the sheetrock off most of these walls in different rooms and redid the porch and i said that's kind of the way it used to be you didn't just walk in at 26 years old and buy a house that was completely done and had no issues whatsoever and so some of that is just being honest with people that you're going to have to make some some concessions and Hopefully you find the location where you want to raise your, your kids and that sort of thing, and I can help you with that. So uh, I'm still doing what I did uh, last year, and I'm going to keep doing it, I think, as long as I have a pulse. I'm donating a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician, um, and everybody always asks me, can they choose? Can the buyer or seller choose? I say, absolutely, unless you have no clue and you have no idea who you want to donate to. So. Um, give me a call, 612-859-2594, if you know of somebody that's looking to buy or sell. Yeah, please do. A lot of people have so far, though, haven't they? They have. I was just looking, and I've now donated thousands of dollars to local musicians, and I'm Go really on. proud of that. Uh, you know, it's uh, I was adding it up because of taxes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is good, where it's actually making an impact. And and the, the coolest thing of all is the musicians, even though it's not a huge donation per musician, they're incredibly grateful like, just the fact that somebody thought of me. When's the last yeah. time someone called you up and said, you just want to check? Would you like a check? Can I write you a check? <laughs> no, no questions asked. I don't yeah. have to do anything. No, <laughs> no. I, and I know it sounds like a trick. We just want to give you a check. I had a couple that questioned me like, oh, come on. What kind of scam is this? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I just wanted to donate some money because I know you've had a tough pandemic. And right. they're like, wow. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, All right. Exactly. Tommy Mischke is our guest right now. So in addition to your much ballyhooed and storied um, radio career here in the upper Midwest, podcasting, I feel, has allowed you to blossom because I know that you do the road show or did the road show for a long time prior to your grand proclamation that that shit was over. You had done it for a long time. And, you know, podcasts take so many different forms. This one is nothing fancy. There are no bells and whistles. There's a conversation with a couple of tunes thrown in for people to get better insight, I think, into the people who are part of our community. But then there are really, really great podcasts. Like we had um, Melissa Oliveri on recently, who mm-hmm. does the Skylark Bell. Yep. This gorgeous sort of slightly macabre, slightly melancholy storytelling. But it's just beautifully done, and the music is excellent, and the voice acting is great. And then there's a show like The Road Show, which is really good. Like, but, I mean, I know that you take so much care. You're so meticulous in putting it together between the writing, between the people you talk to and decide who to have on and what part to have on. The post-production element I know is a giant deal for you, but the road show for people who haven't listened is a proper, proper show. What's the full name and where, where? what's the best place for people to find it? The Mishki Road Show is the name of it. MishkiRoadShow.com mm-hmm. is where you'll find it. And when we were walking in today, Rob Morgan was out on the sidewalk, a local musician. He put my website together. He, oh, really? He's, he had me on his own podcast. He has one, uh, and after I looked at his website, I said, boy, that looks good. He said, I did it myself. <laughs> well, Want to do another one? And so he just finished. Uh, you'll find it at MishkiRoadShow.com. 
But there's 146 shows there that sit like books on a shelf. None of them have a freshness date. Right. So there will be nothing uttered in any of them that will tell you whether it was 10 years ago when I started, five years ago, or last year. Never once in the last two years was the word pandemic said. Mm -hmm. I create them with the idea that they should last forever. Everything said in it will be just as true, just as real, just as much a human story 20 years from now as as today or as 10 years ago. Was not referencing the time or time stamping them like that. Um, was, that in, was that intentional from, yes. from episode one? Yeah. yeah. I wanted, and it's happening, and I love it, I wanted it to be the case, like an author writing a book, that if someone only learns of the podcast eight years later mm-hmm. and they're taking a road trip across the country, they can look at this shelf full of books and say, mm. well, I'll take this one. This guy goes to Slab City in Southern California and hangs out with these weirdos. I'll see what that's about. Or there are some that I write as plays. They're actually theater. They're often Mm. uh, in the realm of fantasy. Uh, At one point, I hung out with tornadoes in Tornado Alley, several of them, and one took me on a guided tour from uh, the panhandle of Texas up to southern Minnesota. I interviewed the tornado. So that there are shows like that. I I am captured in one show and held in a cave by Sasquatch. And then there's just regular shows where I'll go out to upstate New York and go into the woods and find the guy who walked across a wire from one side of the World Trade Center to the other building illegally back in the 70s, something he dreamed of doing from the age of 12 on, and he pulled it off, hid up in the top floor the night before and woke up at 7, shot an arrow across, had a buddy tie off the rope, and he walked between those two buildings without a net. He was a wild man, but mm. there are so many wild men out there and women. Although I will say when you're traveling as a guy mm-hmm. around the country, you are going to interview more men, obviously, because women are going to wonder, what's your story? Bro? Right. Yeah. What's I've the not, angle? I've not heard of you. And this sounds weird. And uh, whereas <laughs> guys, you know, worst case scenario, you know, they'll pummel me. <laughs> you know, if they don't like my spiel as opposed to walk away. Right. So, but, you know, I've hung out in the middle of Yellowstone in the winter in a guy's little cabin, a sort of a shining experience where I found this guy alone. It was a two and a half hour snowmobile ride into the middle of Yellowstone. And I mm. spent two days in his little cabin with him. Mm-hmm. And he'd been there since 1970, living alone. And uh, he was a wild man, fun guy to interview. Initially, the idea was find eccentrics, iconoclasts, outsiders all over the country, spend time with them, talk to them, create shows around them. And there's plenty of that. But it ended up going all over the place. Every show is different. Well, speaking of going all over the place, after two years of lockdown and having to be careful about who we see and what we do and where we go and everything that's come to define the last couple of years, despite the fact that you may not have ever mentioned the word pandemic on your show, Mm Mm-hmm. It's clearly had an impact on the way you're able to comport your business when it comes to executing the road show. But you recently, from what I understand, finally got back out there. Yeah, and that pandemic was the reason there were several theater of the mind shows that created the illusion of travel, Mm -hmm. including one where I went to the far reaches of space, I'm not kidding, in a spaceship, (laughs) met and interviewed God. Wow. But you have to get creative when you have a pandemic. And now that I can get back out on the road, it's back to the old show. I just got back from Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and I went looking for the weird 
Scotch-Irish roots of American country music in the Appalachians, finding, you know, the Carter family, the famous Carter family. Mm -hmm. For those who don't, if you saw Ken Burns' series, that's where it all starts with the Carter Mm -hmm. family. And they were Appalachians, and they started this crazy thing called country music by grabbing the old folk songs from Ireland and Scotland that came over and uh, were part of the hill music, and it combined with black church spirituals. And uh, what else did it combine with? Oh, there was some, I found, and I didn't know this, that country is actually made up of a, a, a tad of the old Delta blues, the black church spirituals, and the Irish-Scottish folk songs. It's really that blend. Somewhere along the line, once again, African African-Americans got uh, removed from given birth to country music, but the Carters traveled around with a black guy who was the guy who gave them all the music. They just did the lyrics. Right. That Nobody knows mm. this guy. Uh, and, Jeez. and you know, country's got a lot to answer for in that regard. I think a lot of the world has a lot to answer for in that regard, but well, musically specifically, you're absolutely right. Well, here's here's one of the weird things. So why, while... We were obviously and still are a very racist country. The reality was we would let blacks entertain us. That's that's the one place we said, okay. So you had before you could have a a doctor who was African-American, before you could have a lawyer, you could have someone singing. But not in country, not till Charlie Pride comes along. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, so that was they were they were weirder that way, you know, Uh so, in fact, I got a book in front of me here called Johnny's Cash and Charlie's Pride. I met the author down in Nashville on this same road trip. He teaches the history of country music at Vanderbilt, is a writer hmm. and song and, and singer himself, and is the director and senior writer at the Country Music Hall of Fame. And there were some passages in here that made me think of you, folks who don't know Brian and I for six episodes did a music show podcast called for the sake of the songs we did we used to talk about getting angry at this musician or that musician or i don't like that music and i and you you or i would get mad at that music (laughs) right (laughs) and you know you used to talk about i think your line was you can't pick what you love that's true and you love what you love and there's a good portion of this book that this Peter Cooper spends talking about the absurdity of debating music, mm. of arguing over music, really the insanity of it. Uh, the, the 25 best quarterbacks in the world today are either playing for the NFL or if they're not, they must not want to. Right. The 25 best songwriters in the world may or may not be making a living at it, mm-hmm. may or may not be recognized as such, may or may not be anybody, any of us know. It isn't like other things where you, you just rise to the top. It, it gets into this weird area of he's touching, she's touching my heart somehow. It's not happening for you. Sorry. Your foot's not tapping. Mine is. I don't know why. We'd have to do a cell analysis to figure out what's going on. <laughs> really break down the DNA. Yeah. No, I agree. And it is pointless to argue over what music is good or bad. That I've always felt. And I think that, I mean, like, it's clearly all subjective. That being said, 
man, it puts a little fire in my belly when when people start, you know, <clears throat> talking about music, haggling a little bit all over I gotta what's do, worthwhile. All I got to do is say Grateful Dead. Oh, son of a bitch. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Although the guy I'm going to go stay with for the next few days in L.A., my one of my best friends on planet Earth is the biggest deadhead I've ever known. So. Man after my own heart. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, I know. They were... They were they were something. Let's talk about this <laughs> next song that you picked right here. A band called Hayseed Dixie. Tell me about Hayseed Dixie. This goes back to my KSTP days, and I don't know when this trend started, where a bluegrass band would or a bluegrass leaning band would take on rock songs, but where beforehand I would have said, "Well, that's going to be a train wreck." I came to love it almost every time, including bluegrass music meeting hip hop. I just love the blend. It just works for me. So people, it became super popular for a while. Like for a when, while. I, when I was doing Freedom Rock, um, I would get all these compilations and things like that sent to me. Yeah. The number of both compilations of various bluegrass bands doing covers, but also bluegrass bands that were strictly cover bands, it was kind of an avalanche for a while. The, when America was suffering from what I like to refer to as chronic banjosis. <laughs> <laughs> it, Speaking of instruments that, again... Uh, where would country music be without the banjo? I don't know that African it would exist. Instrument. African instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, let's go ahead and hear a little Hasty Dixie on the Brian Oak Show. Yeah, you shook me 
does work doesn't it here's what's odd the lyrics could have been written by that guy right there would have been no point where you would have said wait a minute uh, this doesn't fit it fits there in a way that the gourds doing gin and juice does not right but the gourds do- doing gin and juice when they when when this uh, country slash bluegrass stuff hits hip-hop I even like it better. Like, this is just basically a novelty song. But right. The Gord's doing Gin and Juice, that's a bona fide, beautiful piece of work. Right. And the guy who did that, of course, Kevin Russell, who now is with Shiny Ribs, and that was the third song I yep, gave you that's today. that's the last one we're going to hear. Uh, Kevin Russell is down in uh, Austin, Texas. He's a master, a master of taking songs and reinterpreting them in a way I, I, I hate to put him on this level because it, you're going to think no way. But I th- I always thought Cocker did such a wonderful job of reinterpreting. Russell is in that league. If you want to hear what to me is the most startlingly fresh rendition of Golden Years by Bowie. Really? Listen, go. he only does it live. It's on um, YouTube. Go to Shiny Ribs Golden Years and watch what Kevin Russell did with that song. He completely changed it but in the most powerfully funky way I've ever heard. Really? Just stunning. I wanted to give that to you today, but that was the one I said, can oh, you right, play it YouTube. off YouTube? And you said we'd have legal issues. Well, yeah. we're just trying to avoid legal entanglement yeah. whenever yeah. possible. I'm not 100% certain that we're even above the law as we speak yeah. right now, so yeah. just trying to keep our head down here. I don't uh, get involved at all in any of those thoughts on my show. Yeah, I know. I just, when the guys come, I just figure it will be cease and desist. Right. I don't think there will be actual money involved. Debtor's prison. I just will be told you're done and I'll be done and I'll move on to that great CCO gig that's waiting for (laughs) me when new management comes in. I did want to ask you, I mean, that really would have been, Janice Shortle, and I'm not sure who the guy is, so I can't speak to his credentials. I can't remember his name either. That's okay, but I mean, you... If CCO ever needed that to happen, I can't believe it got quashed. I mean, of course, I can believe it got quashed from above. I've also been working for corporate radio entities for 30 years. But I, it, it's heartbreaking because, you know what, Ra- terrestrial radio is dying. It's a slow, slow yeah, death. And it, it may is. never be gone right. completely. Right. But there are, there are these moments where something's possible. And, like, there would, there would have been a buzz about CCO. There hasn't been forever. It would have been great. By the way, when CCO first hired me, CBS in New York nixed the deal as well. <laughs> they said no as well. But Mick Anselmo, the GM, flew out there really? and talked them into it. And uh, what, why that didn't happen this time was in the midst of this, the GM at CCO walked, quit. Oh, that's right. Right out of the – and that yeah. was in the midst of yeah. all this going down. All this mm. going on. Uh-huh. So there was no 
no one to fly out and speak up for me. So, no advocate. Right. To talk about, here's why this is important. It would have been a killer move. And, you know, I mean, Jana in the mornings would be absolutely ideal. And I know that she's a new parent now, so I'm sure that she'd love to be getting up even earlier in the morning than she already is. <laughs> well, I think what happened was Care, obviously, eventually heard about oh. it and said, uh, here, we'll make it so you don't want to go anywhere else. Okay. I'm sure she won on that deal. Well, good for yeah. her. I mean, that's the way the game is supposed to work. If it, well, Whereas I lost. Yes. All right? Everything. I lost. <laughs> I, other than the fact that you now get to do a thing that you're as good or better at than anybody else who does it. For people who haven't listened to the road show, it. I mean, even if we're talking about the, the sort of, you know, more theatrical or fantastical ones, but listening to a road show where Mishki brings his viewpoints his humor, his insight, his reflections, his production values, and his many years of experience of storytelling to these unique and bizarre situations, which even on their own, even if you didn't say a word, you talk to the kind of people that would be fascinating just to sit and listen to, but you do. You make it better. You make it richer. You know where the sentences should stop and start. You do a really, really great job. Thank you. Yeah. By the way, my wife said... You dodged a bullet. And I said, what do you mean? Mm. You didn't want to go back to radio. I said, how do you know? She (laughs) She said, why were you going back? You quit. And I said, well, I was kind of burned out then. And she said, you're going back for the money, aren't you? You lost half your income to COVID and you wanted those dollars back. And I said, yes, yes, I, yes, I want them back. (laughs) And and she said, you haven't done one thing career-wise for money in your life. You started in radio making 20 bucks a week. No, 20 bucks a show, hundred bucks a week. Right. And, uh, it's true. This would have been the first money grab at 60 years of age. I wouldn't have judged you for that money grab because, you know what, when when you're operating on a modest income and something that comes naturally to you that would probably, even if you put together a good show, you would know that you've You've done this enough. You would have, I mean, for what they would have offered you or what they were offering you, I'm sure it was, it wasn't just a money grab, by the way. Well, what happened? People like you, man. I mean, people like you. What happened was when musicians, restaurant people, guys like that obviously lost a bunch of money in COVID. I wasn't quite that devastated, Mm -hmm. but losing half your income is a lot. And what I learned was, wow, when you're self-employed, yeah, the world can change and you're screwed. Suddenly a big corporation with all that security, because let's face it, when the world's going to hell, people in radio, they're not going anywhere. That's a good job to have. I love it. People turn to people in radio when the Mm -hmm. world's going to hell. So I thought maybe it'd be nice to be in a job. I don't know what's going to happen to this planet in the next few years. Maybe I ought to find a little security. As it stands, I'm back to being the renegade, driving the highways, (laughs) no security at all, living on a hope and a wing and a prayer. This last uh, episode you were talking about, this last trip you did, by the way, is that episode up and available? It is. The last one's up and available. Yes, right. it's episode 146, mishkiroadshow.com. And what, is the, what does the future hold? I mean, what, if you know, looking ahead, <laughs> obviously, that, that, was, that was one of the stupidest questions <laughs> I've ever asked. Not all of our mutual futures, <laughs> but as you look ahead to the remainder of 2022, are there other trips you're planning? Yeah. Other people yeah. you want to talk to? I mean, do you have designs on what the year looks like for the roadshow? Yeah, next time I'm getting in a car, which is going to be later this month, I'm going down to Tulsa and I'm going to attend a three day support. A symposium on Kerouac and the Beats and just that wild spirit that was born back then that certainly is the spirit of this roadshow, which is living with as much freedom as you can possibly have. I mean, that's the goal in life. What did Chris Christopherson say? He wanted on his tombstone that line from Leonard Cohen's song, 
Uh, like a bird on a wire, like a drunk in a midnight choir, I have tried in my way to be free. That is what uh, I think the spirit of the show is and what I aim for, certainly aimed for when I was in radio and what I aim for in life in general. And these Beats and Kerouac and those guys coming out of that World War II world and that 50s world, I think, said, let's find a a new way to do it. And I think I have been influenced by either their spirit or by those who were influenced by their spirit. But I think there's a direct line back to them, and I'm going to celebrate that in the next show. Very good. That sounds fascinating, actually. Before we wrap things up here with um, Timothy... Dillinger, Mishki. Um, <laughs> I wish I would have thought of that earlier because it would have been fun to just kind of keep riffing with that the entire show. Are there any Tims in your family? No, there are no Tims. Okay, nope. there's a million others, I know. but No, I will say there's a Hortense, though. Oh, no. For real yeah. Hortense? A real Hortense. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of fantastic. Now, yeah. a, an original, like an old school Hortense or one of those clever renaming of young people no, with old or- women's names? An original. Okay. Original Hortense. It's a guy's name, right? No, that's a woman. It is a woman's oh, name, right? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a woman's. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's a Saint Hortense. Is there? Yeah, there is. Patron Saint of... There's also a Hildegard in my family, Patron Saint of Musicians and Writers. Uh, Hildegard, no. you want to use that name. Absolutely. Yeah. That. And Hildegard, Hildegard van Bingen, or whatever, however you pronounce her last name, one of the most brilliant you know, writers of all time. I don't know if that's the same one. I don't know that she was sainted, but here we are. Before we say our farewells, <laughs> we are going to thank the good people at AudioQuip. AudioQuip provided us with all of the audio equipment. See what they did there? It's a portmanteau. AudioQuip, they provided us with the equipment here in this studio, and they can help you out if you need equipment, if you're in a band, if you have a TED Talk, if you are doing a poetry slam. You ever been to a poetry slam, Beatnik? I have. Yeah? I love them. Do you? I love spoken word poetry more than page poetry. Really? Mm. Yes. Much more. My only problem with, I've been to a couple poetry slams too, is there's this very, I wish there was more variety in the nature of performance, right? Because there's this very strident kind of thing where I say the thing and then I put the other word next and then I put the other word next and I build up the speed and I say the thing and then I bam! And then I just say that one little thing. That wraps it up and brings it back home. <laughs> Every poetry slam I've ever been to, or anytime I see poetry online, it's that that meter and that building it up to a great big thing, and then it drops. But you are just echoing what has been said about, I mean, with hip-hop, the critics have always said, oh, it all sounds like Rap is old, crap. old blues, yeah. Delta blues. If people hear a bunch of it, this all sounds the same. Oh, if you shit. can't find the nuance, get out of the business. I just got old, man. Ooh. I, I seriously started to feel the cobwebs and the dust. 54 tomorrow? Is that right? I turned 54 Ooh. years old tomorrow, and I feel about 104. But you nailed it on the head. Thank you, Mishki, for bringing your <laughs> trademark wit, but also a little humbling wisdom to the very end of the Brian Oak Show podcast. I want to thank our Patreon supporters. We will have a Patreon event in the next month or so. Details to uh, come as soon as I get back from L.A. I promise I'll start getting my mind back into the game once again. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. You have another road show in the books. You're going to keep yeah. doing it you know when you told us when you announced last time when you were here that that was over and i said like over over and you're like yes i got the impression that you were just done with it like you were tired of doing it did no. you enjoy this last trip yeah and i have been enjoying the road show it really they came to me and took me out and when they say pick an out pick a pick a time slot right and, and when they're going to pay me money that i haven't known since my days in radio right 
I was uh, seduced. I, I, I was, uh, and I probably shouldn't have taken it. My fear is here's a big reason I shouldn't have. They don't do calls over there anymore. Mm. Oh, at all. Do you know? Oh, because, no, well, they don't. They don't. They have like one line. You know, we used to have five. I, I was going to say, but I mean, does that? And go they just back? do texts. Does, they don't want people calling no, in and being. It's it's it's. Where I should I have known you can't go back. Who was it? Was it Fitzgerald who said you can't go home again? Yeah. Or somebody said that. Somebody I just did. did. You'd know better than I did. I, Tommy Mischke did. Yeah. But you can't, I don't think. I think you always got to move forward. I think you just got to keep moving forward. You know, all those poor souls over the years, whether it was Joni Mitchell in her jazz phase or Dylan in his Christian phase where people are saying, ah, go back and do that stuff you did in the 60s. You can't. You just can't go back. Mm-mm. You got to go forward and just say, screw it. Well. Keep traveling along with uh, Mr. Bishke and the Roadshow as it continues to unfold and evolve. And get free, man, and bring a snap or two to the next episode, <laughs> all right? I mean, let's really explore what's going on here, Daddy-O. Actually, I'm very excited to see what you do with it, so I'm looking forward to it. Right. A three-day symposium of a bunch of beatniks. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, there is sort of a delightful comedic edge to it, oh, yeah. just in, in, in broadest strokes, yeah. right? But it does make me laugh, but I do look forward to the episode. Tommy, I wish you luck, man. Have a good year. Thank you. Thank and you for inviting me on. Anytime, man. I mean, and hopefully it won't be another year before we have you back again. I'd love to have you back. Anytime you'd like to come. In fact, if you want to bring a little bit of that groovy beat road aspect, right? <laughs> right. You got it. Some of that Ken Kesey action, yeah. right? Before the hippies really took That's over. Right. I wouldn't mind that on the show anytime. Tell me about this. Uh, well, you already mentioned quite a bit about shiny ribs but tell me about this song and why this song one of the road shows i did involved kevin russell who's singing this i found him in austin texas and spent a day with him at his house talking to him about music and this particular song is his answer to visiting walmart for the first time in his life he went home grabbed a pen and this is what he wrote I have a go down to the four people store. One, two, and two, and four. You can get more at the four people store. The four people store, and you can get it. You can get more at the four people store. The four people store. Sings. 